I've really been anticipating uh, this night for, for a while. Our Good Friday services are always, they have a special sort of anointing to them, uh, tenderness, sweetness, and God always shows up in some real powerful ways. But this year in particular, for whatever reason, I have just, uh, I've just been obsessed with the cross. I've, I've found my thoughts constantly gravitating back to the cross. It's become for me the, well, it should be for all of us, I guess, but, and it has in a sense always been this for me, but it's taken on a new depth. Uh, it's, it's the key to everything. And the cross, it's the center of history, the meaning of history. The cross is the key to what God is like, the key to understanding God. Paul says that the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. And sometimes just by contemplating the cross, just envisioning the cross, I find something opening up to me about the heart of God, and, and it unveils something, ever-increasing depths of, of knowledge about myself and understandings about the world and what's going on. It's the key to everything. It's the center of everything. You know, there's a song that we listen to, uh, some of us on staff, by Misty Edwards. I'm sure some of you are f- familiar with some of her anointed music. And there's one particular song that she has that just sort of gripped us, and we thought uh, it'd be a good song to kind of base our, our reflections on, on this Good Friday service. It's called With Arms Wide Open. And she's asking the question, what does love look like? And so we're going to now play this song, and I encourage you to just, she's recounting an experience that she had, asking this question, what does love look like? And it's an experience that she had, kind of a vision she had, actually. And as, as you listen to this song, um, just envision the cross and whatever else God brings to you. Enter into it fully. And then when it's through, I'm going to come up and lead, lead us in some reflections that are based on that song. So Holy Spirit, will you come now and open our eyes up to the beauty of the cross, the radiance of the cross, the power of the cross. Uh, the cross is, is the center of uh, who God is and what we are called to be. And um, God unlocked the treasures of this precious uh, symbol, but precious reality of what happened over 2,000 years ago. Holy Spirit, minister to us the reality of the cross through this song by our sister, Misty Edwards. In Jesus' name. Believe in love 
Was a momentary bliss, but love is not this. It's more than this, 'cause all you ever wanted was my attention. All you ever wanted was love from me. All you ever wanted was my affection to sit here at your feet. So tell me, what does love look like? It's a question I've been pondering. This is how we know what love is. 
Thank you, Amy. How do we know what love is? The Bible says in 1 John, I'm sure it's a verse that many of us know. Um, John says that whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Uh, Could I get a, a stool out here? I'm going to use that for my for my water. Yeah, I'd appreciate it. It's uh, I think the simplest, the most foundational, most profound, maybe the most beautiful revelation in all of history. Thanks, man. It's so simple, so profound. But unfortunately, as uh, Misty's song makes clear, that revelation gets obscured because. Um, what, what is love? There's so many different concepts of love. This beautiful, beautiful, beautiful revelation. God is love. As we often say around here, love isn't just a verb that God does. Love is the noun that God eternally is. It's so profound. To the core of his being, God is love. But you see, what is love? And so she sings, is love just a romance? Is it just a chance? Is love just for the lucky? For the beautiful, a momentary bliss. Is it just a sentiment, selfishness or selfish gain? What is love? And as long as you don't have a a subtle definition of what love is, then love can mean anything that you want. Lord knows in our culture it's come to mean some very screwy things. Or it can mean anything that your dysfunctional past uh, makes it mean to you. Or it can mean anything that your dysfunctional culture makes it to mean to you, what is love? But see, fortunately, fortunately, the Bible gives us a very concrete definition of love. It's unfortunately ignored by most folks throughout church history, and it's ignored uh, by many today. But it is the most succinct and unambiguous and concrete definition of love that there could possibly be. The Bible defines love not by telling us what it is, but by pointing us to the person who perfectly embodies it and to the event that most perfectly expresses it. And so the same John that we saw told us that God is love, one chapter earlier tells us what love is. And he says this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. This is what Misty was singing about. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Amen. This is what love is. And so as Misty's saying, love's definition, love's de- definition was looking at me, looking at him, hanging on a tree. This is how I know what love is. This is how I know what love is. God is love. And love's very definition is hanging on a cross suffering to save the very people who are crucifying him. And since God is love, that means that God's very definition is hanging on a cross, suffering to save the very people who are crucifying him. That's the very definition of God, the cross. When Jesus chose to suffer at the hands of his enemies, 
out of love for his enemies, rather than using the power that was available to him to crush his enemies, that cross is the perfect expression of who God truly is and of what God has always been like throughout all eternity. The cross is what God looks like to the core of his being. It means that on the cross, we are given a window into the secret chambers of the eternal triune fellowship. On the cross, we're given a peekaboo into the deepest depth, the deepest truth of God's heart. On the cross, we're given a glimpse of the perfect other-oriented love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been sharing throughout all eternity. So whatever else we might say about the previous revelations of God in the Old Testament, only in the crucified Christ do we see the absolute uncompromised truth of what God is really like. The cross is a window into a divine love that eternally precedes creation. The cross is a window into a divine love that brought forth the creation. The cross is a window into the divine love that sustains every molecule in creation moment by moment. The cross is a window into a divine love that surrounds us every moment of our life and is surrounding us right now. The enemy-loving, non-violent, other-oriented love manifested on the cross is exactly what God looks like. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no exceptions, no preconditions, no qualifications, no equivocations. This is what God looks like. This is what love looks like, and this is what every square inch of God looks like down to the depth of his eternal essence. God looks like Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. Now we can only grasp, we can only grasp the, the perfection of the love that's revealed on the cross if we grasp the full extremity to which God went to save us. The depth of God's love is wrapped up with the extremity of his sacrifice. So to really grasp the depth of love, we need to try to grasp the extremity of the sacrifice. So I want to say a word here about the extremity of this sacrifice, and, and I just pray, God, help us to grasp this. Because really, on this, everything hangs. On this, everything hangs. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, right here and right now. Perhaps the most shocking thing, one of the most shocking things, at least, that we find in the whole Bible is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here Paul says that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might be made, become the righteousness of God in Him. The all-holy Son of God, in some sense, in some sense, became our sin. The all-holy Son of God became the complete opposite of His true nature. He's altogether holy, and in some sense, He became our sin. He became His opposite. It's shocking. But just as shocking as what Paul says happened once he became our sin. We read this in, in Galatians chapter 3. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. When the all-holy Son of God became our sin, the all-holy Son of God, in some sense, became the curse 
that all sin brings upon itself. And the ultimate curse consequence of sin, if it's not erased, the ultimate curse on all sin is separation from God. And this is why Jesus cried out on the cross in that horrific cry, which is really the climax of what Good Friday is all about. He says, it says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The all-holy Son of God, whose very nature is to be eternally united in perfect love with the Father. The, the, the all-holy Son of God, who had from eternity never experienced one nanosecond of the slightest disunity with the Father, this Son of God was now experiencing God-cursed, God-forsaken separation from the Father. We can't begin to possibly fathom the depth of terror that Jesus experienced when he was separated from the Father. But we'll, only we'll only appreciate the depth of his love if we go as far as we can go trying to imagine the pain that was involved in that nightmare. So I want to ask you to prayerfully enter into this. Enter into this. We experience pain. Whenever we experience something that's contrary to our nature, whenever something unnatural happens to us, uh, there's pain involved. And the more contrary to our nature the thing is, the more pain we experience. So if I get cut, and so there's an opening in my body where there's not supposed to be an opening, that's unnatural, and I'll experience pain. And the, the deeper the cut and the wider the cut, the more pain I experience. It's contrary to my nature. If I'm denied food for a long period of time, I, I experience the pain of hunger. Because the body naturally craves food. And so when I'm denied food for a long period of time, it's an unnatural state and results in pain. The pain of feeling hungry. And it's natural for us to breathe constantly. Have you ever been prevented from breathing for any length of time? 20, 10, 20 to 30 seconds and you begin to experience extreme pain. It's the pain of longing for air. And if you go to 40 or 50 seconds and you can't breathe, you're not just choosing not to breathe, but you can't breathe, you begin to experience absolute terror. You're in an unnatural state. And in an unnatural state about something that's absolutely crucial to your being. And the more essential something is that we're denied, the more intense the pain is that we experience. So why breathing, being unable to breathe is, is, is terrorizing because it's absolutely essential to our life. Whenever we experience anything unnatural to what is our nature, we experience pain. And the more essential the thing is that we're denied and the, the, the more extensive the unnatural thing is, the more contrary to our nature the thing is, the more intense the, pain, the experience of pain is. And so with that in mind, consider the pain that must have been experienced try to enter into the pain that must have been experienced when the one who was by nature perfectly united with the Father became our curse and experienced separation from the Father and was even forsaken by the Father. What must that have been like? And consider, enter into the, the pain that must have been experienced when the one who is by nature all holy experienced from the inside every sin, the guilt of every sin, committed throughout history, as though he himself had done it. What must that have been like? 
the, the drops of blood that Jesus sweat in the garden, revealing the unbearable stress that he was under as he was approaching this faithful, faithful hour of Good Friday. Uh, th- those, those drops of blood, they weren't about the terror he was facing uh, physically in terms of dying a slow and torturous death, as terrifying as that would have been. But the stress, I submit to you, was rather because Jesus was about to experience something that was more unnatural to the core of his being than anything we can possibly ever imagine. Nothing could be more antithetical. Nothing could be more contrary, more opposite to the very core of who Jesus was than to experience the guilt for one sin, however minor. But for Jesus to experience the guilt of every sin ever committed, enter into that. The all-holy Son of God was sweating drops of blood because he was about to experience the slimy guilt of Nazi guards throwing children into gas chambers. The all-holy Son of God was sweating drops of blood because he was about to experience the nightmarish guilt of demented child kidnappers and rapists. The all-holy Son of God was sweating drops of blood because he was about to experience the demonic guilt of the sin of Stalin massacring 30 million of his own citizens. The Son of God was sweating drops of blood because he was about to experience from the inside the guilt of every sin committed throughout history, including your sin and my sin. For one whose very nature is, is the opposite of that. It's unimaginable. And then on top of that, Jesus was about to experience the nightmarish, God-cursed consequences that all sin brings upon itself, what the Bible refers to as the wrath of God. He was about to experience the consequences, the death consequences of all sin, about to experience something that would be more foreign to his being than not breathing is to ours. Think about it. I don't want to sound unnecessarily ghoulish here uh, tonight, but I do want to speak frankly for the next couple of minutes, because we, we need to grasp the depth of horror that Jesus experienced. Uh, we need to go as far as we can on that if we're going to come to appreciate the depth of his love, the love that's manifested in that sacrifice. It may be my lifelong obsession with, with death that some of you know about, but, but all my life, the most horrifying, nightmarish thing that I could imagine, the most unnatural thing that I could imagine being done to me personally is being buried alive in a coffin. All my life, I've shuddered at that thought. I'd rather die any other way. Nothing could be more wor- nothing could be worse. There, I can't imagine anything more unnatural than to be uh, trapped all alone in total darkness inside a tight coffin six feet beneath the earth with the air slowly running out. It is, to me, the terror of all terrors. I think I'd go mad in an instant. What the Son of God endured on the cross must have been something like that. Only worse. Because the contradiction he was experiencing contradicted every fiber of his being to the core. And we've got to remember that Good Friday, Good Friday isn't just about the second person of the Trinity. All of God was involved in the nightmare of Calvary, the cross. Now the Bible focuses on the suffering of the Son, so we have to just sort of imagine what the suffering of the Father and the Spirit must have been like. But see, it was completely against their eternal nature as well to be separated even for a moment from Jesus. The whole Godhead suffered on the cross. 
The pain the father must have felt when he delivered his son over to stand in our place as sinners. The pain the father must have felt when he delivered him over to become a curse and to withdraw his protection and allow wicked humans and wicked principalities and powers to to afflict him in nightmarish ways. The pain of that must have been more terrorizing than it would be for a parent to have to watch their children be buried alive. For however intense a parent's love is for their children, it would fall short of God's perfect love for his beloved son. And so the pain would fall short of what God the Father must have experienced on that night. The fact of the matter is, folks, and Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see this, because it changes everything. The fact of the matter is that the Trinity, the whole Trinity, could not have gone further. It couldn't have gone to a further extreme than what they actually went on that first Good Friday to save us. There is no greater depth of unnatural pain that the Trinity could have experienced when what they, than, than they in fact experienced on that first Good Friday in order to save us. And the unsurpassable pain, the unsurpassable pain that God experienced on the cross reveals the unsurpassable intensity of the perfect love that God is throughout eternity and that God extends to us on Calvary. But if you can imagine it, there's one thing that actually makes that suffering even greater. Because we've always got to remember that, that what God experienced on Calvary, the nightmare that God experienced on Calvary, was not done out of love for a people who were holy and who loved him back. What God experienced on that first Good Friday, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they suffered, the nightmare they suffered was for a race of people who wanted nothing more than to be away from him. What they suffered was for for a race of, of, of sinners, for folks who were yet enemies with God. In fact, Jesus suffered on the cross for the very people who were torturing and crucifying him. And that includes you, and me, because our sin was in part what put him there. And when we grasp that, when we, the minute you grasp that, then you see that the story of God, God who died on a cross, that first Good Friday, is not only the most greatest love story, the greatest love story that has ever been told, but it's the greatest love story that ever could be told. There's no... There's no sacrifice that could be greater. So there's no death of love that could be greater. And this is a story that reveals a God of love who's not only more beautiful than anything humans have ever imagined, but this story reveals a God of love who's more beautiful than anything humans ever could imagine. It's one of the ways you know that this is coming out of heaven because humans can't invent something this beautiful. And the amazing thing is that he did it for you And he did it for me while we were yet sinners. This is the very definition of love. And this is the very definition of God. Willing to experience the most inconceivably nightmarish pain possible for a race of people who could not have deserved it less. That is what love looks like. And that is what God looks like. 
I'd like to end by leading us in a, in a, in a reflection here and an exercise. If it helps you to close your eyes as you do this, uh, go ahead and do that. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit just to help us see, open our eyes, to reveal to us in, in as vivid and concrete a way as possible the truth of God's love revealed on the cross. And I've asked the musicians to just play a little bit in the background because music is a gift from God. It's given to help open up our hearts and open up our minds and open up our spirit to truth. Music is a gift that can soften us and make us pliable in God's gentle hands. And our imagination is, is a gift. It's, it's our inner sanctum, the place where the Holy Spirit makes spiritual truths become visible, tangible, experiential, concrete. And so I want to ask the Holy Spirit here to open our eyes, the eyes of our soul, to open the eyes of our imagination, to experience the truth of what God experienced when he gave us the perfect definition of love, which is the perfect definition of himself on the cross. I don't want to traumatize anyone here, but for, for a brief moment, can you imagine Jesus experiencing the terror that you would experience going through your worst nightmare? I imagine Jesus with the terror that I would experience waking up in a coffin buried six feet beneath the ground. But in his case, it's much, much worse than that. And Holy Spirit, help us to imagine now Jesus hanging on the cross the way, the way Misty did. He's experiencing this terror on the cross. He's entering into an experience that contradicts every fiber of his being. And therefore, he's entering into an experience that could not possibly be more painful than it is. What does he look like hanging there? Experiencing a nightmare that's more intense than if you were undergoing your worst nightmare. Holy Spirit, help us to see. Keep that picture in mind. In, your, in the imagination, Holy Spirit, make it vivid. Keep that picture in mind. As I, I read here some lyrics from Misty Edwards' song. And let the Holy Spirit just help you to envision this. The truth of what they communicate. I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. He was, he was looking at me, looking at him, staring through me. I could not escape those beautiful eyes. Jesus hanging on a tree, see him there. Jesus is experiencing the sin of the world being placed on him. The all-holy Son of God is feeling the filth of Nazi guards and sex traffickers, and pedophiles and murderers and rapists. And he experiences every one of my sins and every one of your sins. And every single one of them contradicts every fiber of his being. It would be a terror beyond words. But it's worse because he experiences separation from the Father. 
the Father from whom we've never experienced a fraction of a second of disunity before throughout all eternity now experiences aloneness. This is more terrorizing still. More precious, precious than air to him, the unbroken unity he's had with the Father throughout eternity has been severed. But he's doing this out of love for you. Out of love for me. Despite its unthinkable terror, despite the pain he's going through, he's looking at you. And you can see the love in those beautiful eyes staring at you. Holy Spirit, help us to see the beauty of those eyes. They communicate so much. Misty says, he had arms wide open, a heart exposed, arms wide open, and he was bleeding, bleeding. Those beautiful eyes full of desire and love. Holy Spirit, help us imagine right now in the eyes of our heart, in our inner sanctum, in our imagination, see his arms wide open and his heart is exposed to you. You see the love of God revealed on the cross in his eyes, in his arms, in his heart exposed. You're seeing into the very depths of the eternal God when you look into the crucified Christ. The physical, the physical pain, the physical bleeding is an outward sign only of the unfathomable agony his soul is experiencing. But he tells you, he tells you in that moment, see him, you are worth it. You are a million times worth it. And you can see it's true. He thinks that. You don't understand why. But you can see it's true in those beautiful eyes, full of desire and love for you. See it. And as you see this, hear Jesus say to you, but hear this with your name on it. Hear it with your name on it. For the joy set before me, I am enduring this. You are my beloved. You are my child. You are my precious, precious possession. I could not bear the thought of spending eternity without you. You are worth this. The nightmare of all nightmares. You are worth this. The terror of all terrors beyond which we can't begin to imagine. You are worth this. And you know, you know that this is what you needed him to do. If Jesus had not done this, we would be lost. If Jesus had not done this, we would be devoured by Satan, the roaring lion who held us captive. If Jesus had not done this for us, we would be without hope. But because Jesus chose to suffer this nightmare, because the Father and the Spirit chose to suffer this nightmare of all nightmares, you are now rescued. The beast is no longer a threat. Because Jesus and the Father and the Spirit were willing to pay this unsurpassable price. You are no longer destined for hell. You are destined for heaven. You are now loved with an everlasting love that will never, ever fade away. But 
I want to hold off celebrating that. For tonight, I want us to consider what it costs. I want us to savor that. It costs everything. It costs everything. I cost everything. You cost everything. This is the furthest extreme God could have possibly gone. It was the greatest contradiction to the very fiber of, of Jesus' being that he could have ever possibly experienced. It was the greatest depth of pain, pain God could have possibly sunk to. But see, the unsurpassable depth of the sacrifice God was willing to make is why the cross reveals the unsurpassable beauty of the infinitely intense love that God is throughout all eternity and that God extends towards us and invites us in. This is what love love looks like, folks. This is what God looks like. This is what it means to say God is love. God is that. God is Calvary. I want our minds to fix on the cross. And so we're going to enter into a time of communion now. And this this is a symbol of the covenant. It's meant to do just this, to remind us of the cost. And um, it's meant there to have our eyes and hearts fixed on the unimaginable, unsurpassable, inconceivable cost that our Creator was willing to pay to save us and to be with us throughout eternity. This is the sign of the covenant that God forged on that first Good Friday. The bread, the broken bread, It represents his body, which is broken for us. But remember, the outward outward suffering, which is unthinkable in and of itself, is simply the expression of the unfathomable agony of the inward pain of his soul. And the cup is a shed blood, which is shed for us. So Jesus said, as often as you take this bread and as often as you drink from this cup, do it in remembrance of me. This is what love looks like. This is what God looks like. This is the worth that God ascribes to you. So as we enter into this time of worship, I encourage us to keep worshiping out of our inner sanctum. Imagine who we're singing to and what we're singing about. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you sense and to hear and to see uh, the things that we're singing about and who we're singing to. Ask the Holy Spirit to make it real to you to experience the depth of the nightmare that God was willing to go through for us. And as you feel led, just go to the sides of the auditorium um, and take communion. If you're here with some folks, take communion together. We encourage that. If you need gluten-free bread, we have that up here behind the front uh, camera. Just come up and and take uh, the the cup there. Um, Yeah, and, and just stay in a state of prayer. So Holy Spirit now, we come before you. I am overwhelmed by your love. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the cross. Nothing but nothing but nothing could be more beautiful than what you did for a race of people who could not deserve it less. And all we can say is, I surrender to you. I surrender my life to you. Overwhelm us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
We say here every, every Good Friday service at the end, it's like, we don't try to pretend like we don't know how this thing turns out. <laughs> we already kind of are in on the secret. It's okay to celebrate that. We know that truth. But the reality is that we are so conditioned by a boring, boring world of normality and mediocrity that we, our, our consciousness gets dulled. We find it hard to believe that we are actually part of uh, the greatest... Love story, not only that ever has been told, but that ever could be told. Revealing a God who's more beautiful than any God, not only that ever has been thought, but that ever could be thought. It's here. This is what's real. We are surrounded by the most perfect love 24-7. And it's all revealed right here. It's all about the cross. That is the center of the center of the center of all the... the, the, the profundity of it just overwhelms you. The most horrifyingly ugly, nightmarish, diabolical thing you can imagine. This just shows the wisdom of God. It's also the most outlandishly, unfathomable, inconceivable, beautiful thing you could ever imagine. One and the same. You talk about God bringing good out of evil. There you go. It's a, it's a, amen. May we leave here being a people of the cross, uh, mindful of the unthinkable price that our Creator was willing to pay for each one of us. Uh, we are very expensive items. <laughs> and um, uh, let's not take that for granted. Uh, and that's not about any intrinsic worth we have. That is all about what He has done for us. And uh, so we go out of here as His consecrated people. Let's be willing to carry the cross, to manifest that cross character. What he, Paul says is, is, go out and live in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. After tonight, you know that's a pretty tall order. Uh, but that's what we're called to do, to spend ourselves in service to others. Uh, let us go here on this good Friday night, living in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Love you.